Rick. About eight years ago, there was probably not a more famous man alive. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe Muhammad Ali. Well, I mean, he he, he for a um, moment in time uh, was about as famous as you can get, and it all happened at this moment. I'm going to play you the audio. Here we go. What steps will your energy policy take to meet our energy needs, while at the same time remaining environmentally friendly and minimizing job loss for fossil power plant workers? That was the question. All right. So his name is Ken Bone. And he's with us on the phone right now. We're going to talk to him uh, because it's time for Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. All right, Dave, our, our next guest was perhaps one of the most famous people in America for about 15 minutes and 2016, during a nationally televised presidential debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, our red sweater wearing front row sitting hero <laughs> asked the questions of the candidates that we played in the intro. And I think what happened was his everyman demeanor set the Internet ablaze. He became a national treasure. Please welcome Ken Bone. Ken, are you there? Hey, Ken. I'm here. Happy to be on with you guys. How you doing? Thanks for coming on the show, Ken. You probably get asked this question all the time, but do you still have that uh, red sweater? No, I don't have the original. We sold it for charity years ago. Uh, IZOD, the company that made it, uh, gave $10,000 to one of my favorite charities for it. Wow. So it's in their archives, along with some other of their uh, famous garments they've made over the years, like James Dean's leather jacket from Rebel Without a Cause and Michael Jackson's Moonwalk shoes. Wow, you're in the same <laughs> paragraph as James Dean and Michael Jackson. That That's is, awesome. That yeah, is like, awesome. The sweater's probably in a cardboard box in the basement, but it is in the same <laughs> building in the same archive. Do you want to share your charities to give a free plug to the charity? Yeah, what was the charity? Uh, yeah, that charity was called uh, St. Patrick's Center. It is a housing first homes initiative. Uh, close to where I'm from here around the St. Louis area. Uh, so Housing First is a uh, homeless uh, initiative where instead of dangling stable housing in front of you like a carrot, like, hey, if you come to rehab or if you listen to our uh, podcast, like <laughs> proselytizing or whatever, then we'll help you get stable housing. No, they take people off the street and put them into housing, not shelters, but like apartments, oh. uh, give them a place to live. And then once they have a stable place to live, there's a much, much better chance that they are able to make use of the rest of the services they provide, like mental health services, uh, job training, uh, protection from the domestic violence that they might be fleeing or uh, some of the other causes of homelessness. Uh, so it has a very, very high success rate. It is, is more expensive than other forms of homeless outreach, but it has like an 80 uh, 80 plus percent chance that once you're in that stable housing, you will not become homeless again. Wow. That's fantastic. That is. That's great. So, you know, so much of your fame, I think was because of that great, wonderful red sweater, but the red sweater was not your first choice, right? You had a bit of a Janet Jackson esque wardrobe malfunction on the way to the debate, right? Tell us, tell us how the, how did the red sweater get the nod? Yeah, like I knew I was going to be on television, so I wanted to wear something nice. And I had this uh, this suit that I had picked out. Uh, my grandfather recommended this color. He said it would look good on me. It's kind of an olive color. 
And uh, my grandfather was well known in our circles for being like a really sharp dressed guy around town. Uh, so I got it. And then he passed away uh, a couple of years before that debate. And so I thought, well, what a nice way to honor my grandfather, who I was named for. He was the original Ken Bone, uh, to, then to dress in, in the thing that he had recommended. But since he had passed away, I gained about pounds. So I put on that suit and it didn't really fit. And I split the seat out of the pants as I was getting into my car. I feel so I had to pain. switch next nicest thing that I own uh, that I could put on within like five minutes. Because if I'd have been late to the debate, they wouldn't have let me in. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now take us through that day. I mean, you, you must have known that you were going to ask a question that millions of people were going to see. Uh, were you scared? Did you, I mean, were you nervous? Talk us through that no, day. No, I, I, I don't really get nervous uh, about uh, appearing in front of people or whatever. Like public speaking is the most common fear in a, in the United States. It's actually more common than arachnophobia, which I do have. Okay. Uh, but I'm just I just don't happen to be afraid of that, you know. So uh, I don't really care. I'll get up and and give speeches or get out and get up in front of people and do whatever. So I, I never really was very nervous or anything. Yeah, sixty seven million. Uh, as people. far as through the day, I had to be there. The debate was at uh, 7 p.m. We had to get there at 8 a.m. to go through security screenings and briefings and instructions and, uh, you know, go out and see the stage and be told how to hold the microphone and all that stuff. They really get into the minutiae to make sure, like, to kind of lessen the nervousness that anybody might feel and make sure they're prepared to be on camera. And and the set itself, you know, I've, Dave and I have been on TV. Once you're on a set, it's like, oh, this is just a closet. It, it, yeah, <laughs> a little, small little room, right? Uh, it's not that, it's not as small as a lot of other TV sets I've been on. It was on the, uh, they built it on the basketball court at Washington University. Oh, wow. Uh, and so, like, there was a bunch of people up in the bleachers. You could get tickets to go and see it. Uh, so there was probably a couple hundred people there. Uh, the stage area is not that large, uh, you know, uh, maybe two or three sizes, uh, times the size of like a suburban living room or something. Uh, but there was some more open space around it than a lot of like TV news studios or something would be. So this was October 6th, 9th. What day was I, I have it written down? Would you remember? Uh, it was October 9th, I think, okay. of 2016. So about seven and a half years ago. So just a few weeks later was Halloween. And I remember, <laughs> I remember there were dozens of kids dressed up like Ken Bone coming to my uh, coming to my door. You know that must have freaked you out because I would imagine you by even in just three weeks you must have seen kids dressed up like Ken Bone and you were you know an obvious sensation. That must I just think the Halloween thing must have just freaked you out. There were a lot of folks dressed like Ken Bone. A good friend of mine uh, that I've made through this whole process, uh, he has a radio show here in St. Louis, and he had an adult son at the time who went to a college Halloween party dressed as Ken Boner, which is just dressed <laughs> like me with a cucumber in your pants. So I thought that was my favorite. Uh, but I dressed as Obi-Wan Ken Boney, where I put a Jedi <laughs> outer robe over the Ken Bone outfit. And I thought that was terribly clever. Did you see any uh, sexy Ken Bones? You know how every uh, every Halloween costume uh, for women is now the sexy version of it. Any any sexy Ken Bones? I didn't see any out making the rounds. It was pretty chilly out. But uh, the original Ken Bone is plenty sexy. You don't need <laughs> yeah, to exactly. Well, to that. well said, Ken. Uh, you know, 
I imagine going from just a regular dude, which is how you refer to yourself, as an internet sensation, literally within seconds almost, must have been really jarring. And I also read that you you had some pretty significant anxiety during that time. Tell us a little bit about you know that the the blitzkrieg of fame and 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 the struggles that went along with it. Well, you know, it's uh, it is a lot of pressure, and it's a very strange thing. Like uh, when you leave your house, like if I would go to the grocery store, there'd be dozens of people around me wanting to take pictures of me and talk to me. Uh, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything without uh, reporters or without just random people all over me. So, like, uh, I understand why some celebrities get get upset and all that because for me it, it lasted a couple of weeks like the real blitz of it for people who are consistently famous you know like for actual reasons or talent it, it lasts for years or decades or for the rest of their life and they can't live a normal life anymore so it's uh it's a lot of stress a lot of anxiety and and i was doing media interviews like this one or at news stations or uh like shooting commercials and traveling all over for uh probably 18 to 20 hours a day for the first two weeks. So I was getting very little sleep and a lot of pressure. And every little thing that you do wrong is all of a sudden in magazines and you have people calling you about it. And it's uh, it's not the most fun thing in the world. And then all of a sudden you have bomb threats being called into your house and the, the SWAT team waking your kid up in the middle of the night. And oh, my gosh. Bringing a card so that they can sweep your house for explosives. Wow. So your son was 13 at the time, right? Yes. He's uh he's a grown up now, but at the time he was 13 years old and uh you know, 13 year olds don't need that in their life. Like I didn't know what I was, you know, that that was going to happen to me, obviously, but at least I knew I was going to be on camera uh at the debate. He didn't sign up for any of that. So that's right. what I really felt bad about is that my family had to feel a lot of that pressure along with me and we obviously did not see that coming. Well, I imagine it definitely provided a lot of stress on your marriage, too, probably, right? Yeah, my wife was very uh, unhappy with a lot of it. Like, she's a wonderful, extremely supportive person, my favorite human being on Earth. Uh, but it was a lot of stress on her. She didn't like seeing the way that it affected me when things would get bad. And uh, she had, didn't like the attention most of the time. She is a uh, She's from a small town in Wisconsin with about 120 people in it. And I uh, grew up on a farm up there, and she just uh, did not uh, appreciate being the center of attention or having our house, you know, people, random people coming to our house and knocking on the door wanting to talk to me uh, without calling first or whatnot. She, she didn't like that very much. And and then, you know, as a, you know, Saint, are you from St. Louis or you live near St. Louis? Bellevue, right? Yeah, I tell people from out of town that I live in St. Louis uh, or, or that I'm from St. Louis. But really, I'm from the east side of the river on the Illinois side, so like the suburbs. Uh, it's just so, when you tell people yeah. from from other places that you're from Granite City, Illinois, they don't know what that is. They're like, is that in Chicago? I'm like, no, there's, there are actually other places in Illinois besides Chicago. It's ba- it's basically St. Louis. Yeah, and then and then just you know a couple of days after that, this, even more difficultly for you, the Cubs won the World Series. <laughs> yeah, you know. that was uh, the. That was actually the worst thing that happened to me that day. We did have the 
We had the SWAT team. That to- story that I already told you of the SWAT team dragging my kid out of bed yeah. uh, was that same day. <laughs> wow. uh, but the Cubs winning the World Series was worse. Yeah. Yeah. Dave agrees with you. He's a White oh, Sox yeah. fan. Uh, <laughs> and the Cardinals are my <laughs> National League team, too. Uh, you know, it's you just reminded me of a story totally unrelated, but I, I, um, I had a client who got drafted the day the Cubs got eliminated from the World Series in 1969. Oh he, wow! He was sent to Vietnam on the uh, as, as a Cubs fan too. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a, that's a bad one-two punch. <laughs> so you know, seven eight years removed from this, do you miss it? I mean, uh, you know, it's it's you you know, I'm sure there was some fun to this, and now seven years later, as you reflect, do you kind of miss the spotlight at all? Oh yeah, overall, it's a fantastic experience. I got to uh, to travel all over the country. Uh, you know. Shoulders with famous people, with politicians, uh, and you know humans are social animals. So mm-hmm. when people validate you and tell you you're great, people love. Everybody loves that. Yeah. Well, I had thousands of people telling me how great I was for no particular reason. <laughs> I would sometimes, like if I was in it theaters was the or stadiums, <laughs> I'd have like I'd have thousands of people chanting my name. Wow. And obviously. That doesn't happen anymore. So uh, was, and so when that goes away, there's like a withdrawal to that. You yeah. start wondering, like, uh, what was I? You know, what's different about me? Well, nothing's different about me. It's just that people have moved on to the next thing. So it really, uh, it, it takes a lot of inner reflection to get over something like that. So what was the the highest high uh, during the during your your moment of fame? What was the thing that you were like, pinch me? I can't believe I'm. Uh, experiencing this right now? Well, there were two things that really stand out. One was uh, I got to go, uh, I was at a an appearance for a radio station a few days before the election, uh, not far from Nashville, and uh, live on the radio at one of their big events, I got to play along with a house band out there. Uh, I play the drums and a few other instruments. And, uh, you know, I got to play some uh, Van Halen uh, oh, live awesome. on the radio. And people were like, man, you know, he's actually kind of good. Now. So that was great. I love playing music. I don't get the chance to do it that often, especially with like pro musicians like they had there. Uh, and then, you know, to get like have those pros tell me like, man, you know, you come out and play again with us sometime. You're pretty good. Uh, but wow. then also I got to go to the red carpet premiere of Doctor Strange out in Hollywood and take my wife to walk the red carpet wow. like Hollywood. Loyalty, and you know, regular people don't get the chance to do that sort of thing very often. That's a once-in-a-lifetime thing that I got to do with her, uh, and we'll never forget that. Did you wear the red sweater on the red carpet? We did. You know, that was Disney requested that I wear the red sweater. I'm like, you know, if it gets me a free ticket to Hollywood and get to go yeah. to the premiere of a big-budget movie, then I'll wear whatever you want. That's I, I love it. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard. We've got another. Uh, presidential election coming up in November. Didn't know if you're aware of that or not. Um, it was in the paper the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Now, I, you know, a big part of your you know claim to fame was that you were the supposedly the everyman, right? The undecided voter, right? And everybody, you know, you know, everybody wanted to, you know this this kind of mythical group of people of undecided voters. Um, if you could give advice, and we're not going to ask you who you're leaning to vote for or anything, but if you could give advice to you know biden or trump or anybody who's running how how should they speak to to the truly undecided i'm not 100 percent sure there are really that many undecided voters out there but you know you 
Yeah, you being the that's you. You're yeah, the you're, you're, the, you're, you're, you're the, the spokesperson the, for, for the undecided. Yes. How should they speak to undecided voters? Well, there weren't many then either. The, yeah, the real true. criteria for undecided, you know, for how they were like searching for people and doing the surveys, looking for people to participate in this debate, was uh, one of the questions they would ask you is like, you know, who are you going to vote for? And I told them who I was leaning towards, and they're like, well, how likely are you to change your mind on a scale of one to ten? And one is like this guy could shake a baby to death on television, I'd still vote for him. And 10 was, it's a complete coin flip. I have no idea who I'm going to vote for. And I think I said like four or five. And normally that's like, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to vote for this person. But, you know, anything could happen. It was still like two months before the election when they, uh, you know, when they called me and they were looking for people to participate. Uh, so that's not very undecided, but in that extremely contentious election, that was close enough. That was the best you could get because almost everybody had already made up their mind and it wouldn't have mattered what happened. Uh, now you also have to remember that all 40 of us who were up there on that stage, we got selected before the Access Hollywood tape came out. Oh, the debate yeah. was through the Access Hollywood tape where that drove a lot more people over the edge. Uh, but we all got picked before. So there was a whole lot of folks up there who were like, you know, I'm, I'm done with Trump after that. Um, but, you know, a lot of the shocking moments that we kind of compress into our memory as all having happened like well in advance had not actually happened yet uh, at that point. So you got to kind of remember that. And as far as uh, what I would tell the candidates, like, I know that I know that Donald Trump can't remember what it was like to be a normal person because he never was. You know, he was born rich. His dad was rich. And Joe Biden can't really remember what it was like to be a normal person because he's 342 years old <laughs> and uh, he's been a senator since my dad was in junior high school. Right. So yeah, that yeah. that does not lend you towards being a normal human being. But when you're talking to regular people and they bring up concerns like, hey, I can't really pay my grocery bill or uh, I wrecked my, you know, uh, somebody T-boned my car and I had to buy a new one and it cost triple what a car had cost when I bought my previous one. How the hell am I supposed to keep up? You don't say things like, oh, well, the economy's never been better. Yeah. And both yeah. of them say that kind of crap. Uh, they're like, oh, the economy is great and it's because of me. Or the economy was great when I was in office. Well, maybe it was great for you, rich dude. It ain't <laughs> yeah. great for us. You know, do something that's great for us. And if, or, or just be honest and say, like, you know what? The president doesn't control the price of oil, buddy. I'll yeah. try to stop taking credit for cheap gas and you try to stop blaming me for expensive gas because I don't, I don't do that. I'm not the emperor. I like this. A little more honest. Ken Bone for president. I was, well, I was just going to say, have you ever thought of going into politics? Uh, We did some polling actually back in uh, 2020 when I, 2018, I think it was, I was considering running from for Congress and I was polling pretty well in the uh, like private polling that we did. But being a, a in national politics kind of sucks. No. And <laughs> the more research I put into it, it's like, yeah, there's a pretty decent chance you could win and you'll be like, you know, a junior congressperson who will spend most of your time fundraising and try to get reelected. Right. And if you get reelected like three or four times in a row, then maybe you'll finally be able to be actually do something. Or, you know, maybe you won't. Plenty of people go to Congress and they're in there for like 25, 30 years and uh, they don't get to do jack. They're like, well, that doesn't sound very appealing to be away from my family that much and under that much scrutiny forever. So uh, I think I'm just going to not do that. 
All right. Well, yeah, we're not going to either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I would totally vote for it. You're, you know, we're <laughs> Illinois. Yeah. So if you run for, although we wouldn't be. Yeah, no. Yeah. Unless he runs for senator. Yeah, we'd unfortunately yeah. not be in the same district. Well, maybe yeah. when Dick Durbin retires, I'll try to get uh, there. You go. Get his seat. But yeah, you guys would be in a different district for me. I'm in uh, district. Uh, we've actually redistricted after the last election. So I think I'm in district 13 now. It used to be 12. Where did, I mean, he even knows who his congressperson is. This is very impressive. Where, this is a, a, where, a good where citizen. Go, where did you go? We went to U of I. We went to Illinois. Where did you go to school? I've been to U of I, uh, <laughs> but I got my bachelor's degree from a tech school. I went to ITT Tech, and I went to high okay. school down here in southern Illinois. I uh, I toured U of I. I got accepted. They couldn't come up with the money to go there. Didn't want to take out the uh, student loans at the time back in 2000 either. Yeah. Wow. Two thousand. You're yeah. a young man. Yeah. We You're, were. We went to U of I. Our first year was 1981. It was like 800 bucks. Or yeah. Something. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 they still remember what a state school meant yeah, in yeah, those yeah. days. Yeah. Well, Ken, this has been fun. I think. Thank you for coming on. I, if people want to follow you, do you have like a website or anything? Is there any way for people to follow uh, your exploits? Uh, I don't have a website. I do. I'm still somewhat active on Twitter. Uh, my handle's at KenBone18. That's the only real social media that I do. Uh, if you want to, like, support me in any way, I suppose you could book me on Cameo, uh, and I'll tell you your brother-in-law happy birthday or whatever you want. Uh, so you can just search KenBone on Cameo and find me there. Uh, I do, you know, I still do one or two of those a week, uh, making fun of people for losing fantasy football. Or <laughs> What does that go for? Creating, yeah, what, what does a KenBone cost on uh, Cameo? Uh, 20 bucks, I think, is what I got it now. I'm okay. one of the cheaper ones. Uh, otherwise, I'd never do any. Um, what, what was the most outlandish one that someone has asked you to, to do? do you, can you think of one? Well, there's, the there's plenty of people that just ask you to do, like, inside jokes. You have no no freaking clue what you're even saying. You're like, gee, I hope none of this is like, <laughs> right. bad. I hope, and hope I'm it's just not a Nazi or something. Yeah, they're getting me to say some kind of slur in code that I don't understand. <laughs> so sometimes I'll have to like Google stuff to make sure I'm not uh, being cruel to anyone. Uh, but the most fun ones are usually like, uh, this guy lost a bet or he finished last in the fantasy football league, and I get to just be horrifyingly mean to people <laughs> in like, a fun way. Uh, and so like, you know, I've got like the nice guy image and I do try to be like a nice person in real life. Uh, but to do something fun like that and just completely roast people is a, a blast. Oh my God. <laughs> that's that sounds great. awesome. Everybody, all of our <laughs> listeners, Ken Bone, Cameo. Yeah. Yes. Just, uh, Check it out. Yeah. And Ken, thanks for being on the show. Uh, we really appreciate it and uh, we wish you the best. Well, I'm happy to do it. Everybody get out and vote this election, even if you hate both of the candidates, and I bet that you do. Uh, there's a lot of down-ballot elections that matter a lot. Your mayor, your city council person, your whoever affects your life way more than the president. Yeah. So it's worth getting out to vote, even if you pick none of the above, like, uh, like the entire you know, state. The most recent prime uh, hey, Ken, thanks a lot. Thanks really a lot, Ken. I appreciate it. Hey, you bet. Talk to you guys later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Ken Bone. That dude gets my vote. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's he seems like a good guy, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. He's young. Now I know. Yeah. So college that, in two thousand. So he's twenty years younger than us. So he's forty. So back then he was thirty three, I guess, or thirty. He was really young. Or I don't know. 
mid to late thirties yeah. when the yeah. red sweater. Yeah, yeah. I got to say, I thought he was a little older than that, but uh, that's uh, thanks very much, Ken Bone. Uh, Dave, we have people to thank mm-hmm. on the show. We've got to thank Brandon uh, Herman who, who scored uh, the guest, scored thanks, the guest for us. We have to thank Tony Lasano with uh, Opi Productions. Uh, Tony is the executive producer of the show, and Ed Silla mm-hmm. with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You know that they say that. Uh, Great Talk Radio is dead. Which is totally It's not totally true. not true because yeah. it's just moved to a better place. Yeah, right and that is RadioMisfits.com. And we'll be back again soon with another episode of Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at RadioMisfits.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up?